Well, thank you, Jacob, Sarah, Jeremy, and Isaac for once again preparing us to open up God's Word. Can we give a round of applause to this worship team who's been leading us this week? Thank you, crew. The Trove. Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. If you need a Bible, throw up your hands. Some leaders will bring you a Bible. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians 5 again. Uh, before we go there, I just want to remind you of something and ask two questions. One reminder, two questions. In about 24 hours tomorrow at about 9.52, I think your buses will be here. They will be loaded, and you will be loading yourselves onto those buses and begin the journey back down the mountain. I know, crazy. This is a, a sh- just an amazing time. I've never heard of schools that come up and do something like this as an entire high school student body, to be able to go up to the mountains and just spend time hanging out, doing activities, sitting under God's word together. I think that's probably one of the best ways to just even prepare for a school year together. So just know what you're experiencing right now, I think, is a very unique gift. But it's a time that's going to come to a close. Like we were saying, in 24 hours, you'll be departing from here. And so the two questions that you want to ask is, how are you going to end this time? How are you going to conclude this time? I want to prepare you that tonight we're going to have a time at Victory Circle where um, we're going to kind of hear one last message, um, and it's not going to be a message um, from me. It's going to be a message from you. It's going to be a time for you to share what has God done this week. What has God done this week? And so you can just share the prompt this week, God, fill in the blank. Has he revealed something to you? Has he um, allowed new relationships, new friendships to come about? Is he challenging you to live out your faith in a new way? Whatever it may be, we want to just take a moment and hear from you, hear how God's been at work this week. And then one other prompt we're going to encourage you to share from is that whether or not you feel like God is compelling you to something. So not just how do we end our time, but how do we leave well and prepare for the school year ahead, your entire life that's ahead of you, however many days you have. How could God be using this time to prepare you for the life, for the school year that's ahead? So be thinking about those two prompts. This week, God, dot, 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 and I believe God's compelling me to dot, dot, dot. Those are the prompts we're going to encourage you to share from tonight in front of each other. Victory Circle, this isn't about you. This isn't about making yourself look good. It's about pointing to God, talking about how he's been at work in this place. Yeah, I'm going to pray for us. We're going to go to God's word and hear what he has for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of this time. Lord, I just, I can't imagine... um, This opportunity, it's so cool that these high school students are having the opportunity to be together before school starts in a beautiful place, to be able to do things like play silly games or play paintball, do ropes course, be on a lake together, and Lord, just have time, a time to even just take a deep breath before another school year begins. Lord, you know all the ups and downs that are ahead for each one of these students, whether it's in the school world or in their families or wherever. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would continue to use this time, the last 24 hours that we have together up here, to be a blessing, to be a time of preparation, 
and to be a time of, Lord, submission to what it is that you have for us. So even again, if we're bringing in our own motives that are self-satisfying, self-glorifying, I just pray that you would help us to root those things out. And Lord, that you would reveal yourself. So Lord, come, once again, would you open our eyes? Would you open our ears? Help us hear. Would you soften our hearts? And you guide us into living for you in light of the life that you've preserved and made possible for us. Pray for each student. Would you keep us safe today? Counselors, would you keep them safe and healthy? Um, Give us strength and energy for what you have for us today. And bless this time as we go to your word. Pray and ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5, go ahead and open up. We have today, this morning, and then tomorrow, uh, tonight, and then that's it. So we've just got two times left going to God's word together. And so far, it might have just seemed like, oh, this is so basic. This is just like Christianity 101. Like, yes, it can feel that way, but hey, guess what? The gospel reality of what God has done for us in making us new, rescuing our lives, this is the foundation from which everything as a Christian goes forth from. And it turns out, every single day, we have an opportunity to grow further in our appreciation of what God has done for us. Get this, on the cross, Jesus died for all our sin. Turns out, you and I, we haven't completed our sinfulness yet. Turns out today, you and I, we're going to continue to sin. We're going to continue to have thoughts. We're going to continue to say words. We're going to continue to do actions that cause harm, that deviate from God's instructions and plan. Even though we're sinners saved by grace, we're still sinners. And in that sense, even every single time that we have to apologize for something that we've done, in that moment, we get to experience that much more of what Jesus died on the cross for us for. So throughout our lives, guys, the gospel should only become sweeter. And our thanksgiving should only continue to abound. I need to put this down because I need to use my hands. In our lives, check this out, we only continue to grow in our awareness of how sinful, messed up, and how deep-rooted the sin and brokenness in our heart is. But at the same time, we also continue to grow in our understanding and appreciation of how amazing our God is, how great His love and mercy is, and how holy He is. What bridges this gap, this chasm, It's Jesus Christ on the cross. And so throughout our life, this chasm, as we grow more in our understanding of who God is and more in our understanding of who we are, that's only how big the gospel continues to grow. So, be aware. (laughs) You're only going to continue to enter into how messed up you are. But in that sense, we get to only continue to enter into how great the love is that God has for us. So the gospel never grows old. It only grows sweeter and deeper. And the gospel price that Jesus paid, we only get to understand how great the cost was when we see how much it was that he paid for us. I'll leave that there. Okay. 
2 Corinthians 5, we're looking at verse 18. 18, 19, and 20. It says this. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Today, we're turning a corner and going from what God has done and secured for us to now us being on mission. Right now, some of you are sitting so comfortably and relaxed, but right now we have to be thinking with a spiritual and physical posture of on guard, ready to go. Anyone who is an athlete in here has been trained in how to be in that ready-to-go position. There might be some games later today where you need to fully engage your body. You might be on the ropes course, afraid of heights, and every single muscle in your body will be tensed. This Christian life, because what God has done for us, we are now called to use everything that he's given us to be on mission and live for him. So I know there's weariness in this room. I know we've probably not been getting the best sleep in the world, but I'm just asking, let's muster up some energy right now to engage with what God has for us because right now, he's calling us to a life for him. And why can he do this? Because he's bought us. He's secured us. So first point, just want to bring it home, all of this is from God. This is nothing that we're doing. Verse 18 says this, all this is from God. What is all this? Us being saved. Us being made new. We've been brought into relationship with Christ. Remember, this is the greatest good news that conquers the worst bad news. He is the one who's reconciling us to himself. What does that mean? Reconciliation is a term in relationship. So if we needed to be reconciled to God, that means that we were enemies of God. That's a pretty crazy title. I don't think any of you would ever have boasted, I'm an enemy of God, yeah! But in all reality, every single person, like we were saying, even the cute, sweet babies knitting together in their mother's wombs, when they're born, when they come out, they are rebels. You and I were born rebels, enemies of God. And any time that we're living for ourselves, it's as if, whether we're consciously aware of this, we're giving the finger to God in saying, whatever with you and your rule, your domain, I'm going to be the king of my own life. I'm going to put myself on the throne of my life. I'm not submitting or surrendering to anything that you would say. And it turns out we can still kind of have bones like that in our bodies. We want to have things our way. The world does a pretty good job at kind of encouraging that as well. You deserve this. You should have this. Have it your way. Supersize this. But the life of a Christian is the life of surrendering and relinquishing our control knowing that we actually never had it but that our God 
He is the one who's worthy of all worship, glory, honor, and praise. And he's the one who sought us out when we were the enemies. It's not the enemy that seeks about reconciliation. It's the one who has been wronged. We're the wrongdoers, guys. And that's humbling. Because I I imagine some of you have memories of your parents encouraging you to have to go apologize to someone. Whether you were a little kid or whether this was just last week. Like, you need to go apologize to Jimmy for punching him in the eye. (sighs) But his eye punched me first. Nice. Um, We have to go. And it's humbling to say, yep, I messed up. But we know because of the gospel, what God has established is that he has welcomed, he's opened that way for us to come to him and say, God, I've messed up, forgive me. And he does. And not only is it, yeah, okay, we're good. Like, yeah, whatever. No, we're embraced. We're loved. And what does it say? Reconciling the world to us, not counting their trespasses against them. And even entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Do we know what an ambassador is? It's like the official representative of some kind of foreign power or ruler. So God is not only making us not his enemies anymore. He's entrusting to us his mission. Representing him. Who would you trust in your life and say, yes, you have all authority to represent me? What would this be like for us? Who would you trust with all of your social media accounts? Saying, yes, you can post as me, and I trust you to represent me in the best light. I don't think we do that too often, do we? Maybe it's trust issues, maybe it's us not wanting to relinquish our control or power. But what is God doing? Even the people that were deemed enemies of God, he's saving, he's reconciling, and now he's saying, you and I, you're brought into the family business. We're making reconciliation possible and making it known to the world. And that's what we get to do. So God is the one who brings about reconciliation, and now Our role in the family business, we have a ministry of making friends. What does this mean? It's not us just making friendships with each other. It's us being able to make friends of people with God. Because we can say, and this is a part of our testimony as Christians, I was an enemy of God. He saved me, reconciled me to himself. Now we are friends, and so can you be. Nothing that I have done everything that God has done. If this is truly the best good news, this is something that we would want to share with everyone. But again, it hits that place like we said last night, who's the last person you would give that $100 bill to? That's probably someone that you, in some ways, wouldn't want to share even the best good news with For whatever reason, we're deeming them undeserving. We're deeming them too far gone. But guys, that's if God thought that way about us, we wouldn't be standing where we're standing now. And think about this. The guy who's writing these words, Paul, do you remember who he was before? Saul of Tarsus. He had a name change. Changed a whole letter. 
This guy was one who persecuted Christians. This was the kid who everyone handed coats to when they were stoning and killing Christians. He grew up with a mission, thinking that he was being actually a God follower by ridding the world of Christians and making it as hard for them to live their lives. God gets a hold of this guy's life. God reconciles this guy to himself, but it took a while for the rest of the Christians to be like, you want us to do ministry with Paul? Isn't he the guy who is a part of like stoning my friends? You want me to trust this guy? Whatever hesitation that we can have about sharing the gospel with someone else, guys, know that we ourselves were equally as far away from God than anyone else. Sure, our sins or our struggles might look different, but again, like we said last night, we're all in the same exact playing field apart from God, in desperate need of help and salvation. All of us, enemies of God. He's the one who brings about reconciliation, and now this message has been entrusted to us. Ambassadors, ministers of reconciliation, we get to be God's hands and feet in the world in his mouthpiece, saying, he saved me so he can save you. And finally, just thinking about this reconciliation. We then get to live lives where forgiveness is possible. Thinking about the forgiveness that we've received from God, again, His blood has covered all of our sins. And so, if we have had our debts forgiven, like the parable of the unforgiving servant, this is with your quiet time, if you have your little booklet, this parable in Matthew is what you're encouraged to read, and it is so darn convicting. Because if we're the ones who had the unpayable debt and God took care of it, And then this guy in the parable goes to a guy who owes him just a small debt and he starts choking him out. This guy who's had his huge massive debt taken away goes and chokes out this guy for this small debt. It's as if the forgiveness hasn't made any effect in his life. And so for us, if we've truly had the largest debt forgiven for us, who are we to not also then extend forgiveness to others? And let me be very clear, there's wisdom and discernment in extending forgiveness. I am not saying that we should put, continue to put ourselves in harm's way. If there's people in your life who have hurt you, this does not mean that you should continue to link arms with them and continue to seek to live life with them. No, there's wisdom and discernment, but there's also the possibility for us to forgive them, even if it doesn't mean us linking arms with them for the rest of our lives. Because if God was able to forgive us all our sin and embrace us as his own, how else could he possibly be wanting to use us as ministers of reconciliation, ambassadors of God, to be forgivers of others. just want to end with a story. Went to college at a place called uh, Biola University down in La Mirada, California. Whoop, whoop. Go Eagles. Nice. We'll talk later. I get there. I'm going to be living in a triple. That means 
three, three guys living in a room. I, Jordan Weaver, with Philip Ward of Linden, Washington, and Danny Edwards of Bakersfield, California. Watch out. Philip and I get there like that first hour, how excited we are, freshmen in college. We have all of our new stuff from Target. We get to make the dorm room look the certain way, and we're guys. I know girls probably even go more hardcore, but even guys, I think. I was excited. College, dorm room, yay! So we go, we kind of arrange the room, we're moving in, putting our new bedspread on the mattress, all the things, and getting to know Philip. His family's there, my parents are there, so we go out for lunch, having a good old time, getting to know our now college roommate, never met the guy before. We come back from lunch to find that everything that we had spent time setting up has been rearranged by none other than Danny Edwards and his parents. They came in after we had been there, and they arranged the room in the way that they wanted. (laughs) Shucks, I'm thinking to myself, like you want to start off on the right foot (laughs) with someone, but it's like, oh, okay, it's going to be this way, is it? And it was, it was going to be that way. Danny Edwards, bless his heart, only child, only child. Nothing against only children. My mom's an only child, and I'm so thankful for her. But Danny Edwards, his mom, still to this day, refers to him as her precious little angel. Danny Edwards never didn't get what he wanted. He always got what he wanted, this guy, always. And so why would college (laughs) dorm, living with two other guys, be any different? But it was. Philip and I, growing up with siblings, we're, (laughs) dude, you don't get everything you want. Um, We were all music majors. I was music ed, Phil was music composition, Danny was music performance with trumpet emphasis. This dude would start out the year by practicing his trumpet in the dorm room. That was one of the first things. Danny, I'm trying to sleep right now. You cannot be practicing your trumpet here in the dorm. We know that there's practice rooms, Danny. He also loved impersonating Michael Jackson. So, and one of his favorite things also would be to turn the key in the door, but then to just kick the door in. Made a lot of noise. So all of a sudden, in the middle of the night when I'm sleeping, kicking the door, hee hee! It's like, ugh! Danny, we've talked about this. (laughs) It turns on the lights. So, He's crossing the line all over the place. We're getting frustrated. We end up having like this friendship intervention, whether you could say friendship, because at this point, oh, I'll say that later. Um, We sit down with Danny, Philip and I, and a couple other guys and gals from the floor that we'd formed a little small group, and we just said to him, like, in love, like, again, Christian college, like, we're supposed to be, like, building up community. We signed, like, these community standards things of how we would treat each other. We're like, Danny, you're a jerk. You're selfish. You're only looking out for yourself. No one enjoys being around you. Is this how you want to live? It's making life hard for all of us, and it can't be good for you because you don't have any relationships, it seems like, that are healthy at all. This guy, it seemed as if it just, he like brushed brush it off, like didn't want anything to do with it. Like, okay, okay, whatever. So it was like a year of, okay, I just got to put up with Danny. I just got to put up with Danny. Get done with that year. Praise the Lord. I don't have to live with Danny anymore. 
I get to be an RA, resident assistant, kind of a student leader on the floor, a point of authority, uh, and you get to kind of like plan uh, floor events and programming. Get the roster of the guys who are going to be living on the floor. Danny Edwards is on the floor. He later tells me that he made it a goal that year to undermine my authority and frustrate me as much as he possibly could. And he did a pretty good job of it that entire year. At the end of that year, <laughs> and think about it, think about leading your peers. It's kind of a vulnerable thing, isn't it? To try and step up and be a leader amongst your peers. Imagine if one of your peers was just intense, intentionally being a jerk and trying to question you and sideswipe you every turn. If I called anyone an enemy in my life, Danny Edwards would have been my enemy. End of that year, praise the Lord, I'm no longer an RA, we go separate ways at the same college, big enough to not have to see each other, and I just don't have to deal with Danny ever again. Praise the Lord. Little did I know, I was just harboring anger, holding on to bitterness. Throughout that year of being an RA and him just being a jerk, I would just like chew on it, and I didn't want him to get any satisfaction, I just tried to play it cool. But when anger, resentment, bitterness was just churning inside of me, and I even chewed on it, like it made me happy to know, like, okay, he's just wronging me, but I don't need to do anything about it. I would almost take satisfaction, just like chewing on the anger that he would churn up in me. Two years later, it's finals week, graduation's about to happen. I have a fifth year because of music ed, but I knew Danny was going to be graduating. I'm getting ready for a Sunday school lesson for junior hires, and the subject is just on forgiveness. And I read this parable of the unforgiving servant, and it was as if God just dumped a dump truck load of conviction on me, and I knew I've never forgiven Danny Edwards. Never forgiven him. In light of all the forgiveness that I've received from God, I've been holding back any kind of forgiveness towards Danny Edwards. I text him, Danny, where are you at? Haven't texted or called this guy in two years. He's just down the street. Go down, open the door. I say, Danny, I've been angry at you pretty much ever since I've known you. But I've never forgiven you in the midst of my sin that I've had in my anger towards you. Dude, I'm sorry. Do you forgive me? And again, th this is not to toot my own horde. I was the guy who was happy chewing on the anger and not doing anything. This was the Holy Spirit doing something in me and revealing my junk, my sin. And Danny says, are you kidding me? You're the only one who ever really loved me. No one else would ever call me out in my junk. He's like, I know I'm a jerk. He used some more colorful language as well. He's like, I consider you my brother, he said. You're the only one who's cared enough to say something to me. He apologized. One of the truer moments of just reconciliation I've ever experienced, going from the one guy I would say, considered my enemy, to now just being friends. We hugged it out. <laughs> oh, and then we went separate ways. A couple of years later, I get a phone call from Danny. His life had just taken a hard turn. He had gotten addicted to drugs, addicted to alcohol, and his life was just spiraling down. Multiple deaths in his family and loved ones for him. 
And he just, he called me and he said, I, I didn't know who else to call. So we got to talk, we got to pray. This guy got into AA, started going to a support group, started attending a church, but he had just ravaged his body with drugs and alcohol um, so that when he had COVID, COVID killed Danny Edwards. A year later after that phone call, this guy died in a hospital in Bakersfield. I went to his memorial service with my wife. This guy was my freshman college roommate. Now life ended at 28. And even though there's grief in the loss, guys, at that time, I experienced a remarkable peace and thanksgiving that Danny and I had been able to experience reconciliation with each other. Because just think about it, our lives, we don't know how many days we have. For you yourself, and then even think about those people that you have beef with, you don't know how many days they have. And when death comes, and it's coming, for us or for them, whoever first, death cements and solidifies the place a relationship is in if it's in a good place or if it's in a bad place. And so, I hope this story stirs up in you an urgency to be a reconciler. People in your life, in your relationships, with whatever's going on in your life, but then think about not only with us and people, but with us and God. Because our death will solidify and cement the status of relationship that we have with God. Are we going to die as enemies of God or are we going to die as his children, sons and daughters? So, may God guide us into receiving the forgiveness that he is offering and then living it out. Being ones who reconcile people to God and being ones who rep- reconcile people amongst ourselves. Hey, let me pray for us. <sighs> Heavenly Father, we're, we're humbled and you just see this sober reminder of time and life. It's just fleeting. And so Lord, even just thinking about once again the 24 or less than 24 hours that these students have together up here before they enter into the school year. I pray, Lord, even now as they go out to a solo quiet time and then into the cabin discussion time, Lord, would you bring people to mind, and maybe there's already people in the minds of each person here. Who are those enemies? Who were those people we wouldn't want to give the $100 to? And Lord, thinking about how you have made a way for us, your enemies, to be made friends with you through the blood of your son. Lord, would you help us to be people who would just continue to give and extend love, grace, mercy, and forgiveness that we've received from you first. And Lord, would that lead to relationships that experience reconciliation and healing? And would that lead to people who say, how can you do this? How can you forgive me? And give us the opportunity, Lord, to be able to say that I was forgiven first by my God. And would that lead people straight to you and relationship with you? So Lord, I just pray and ask that you would open the eyes of every single person here, Lord. If we're saying that we believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that we would realize the job title that we now have as ministers of reconciliation and ambassadors of you, God. Would you help us to live that out 
with all of the help that you give, with all of the strength that you give. So Lord, as we enter into the day and all the fun that is in store today, would you also help us to even enter into times of prayer with you, conversation with others, and time reading your word. So guide us into life and establish good and healing, even in the midst of relationships. So Lord, we look to you and we thank you for all of this that you provide. We pray and ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And we all said, amen.